Hey everyone, this week we will be discussing nature mysticism. I'm actually releasing three episodes today. Why am I doing that? I'm doing that because I didn't want this episode to sound like a lecture. And my concern was that if I put all of these mystical concepts and theological concepts into one episode, it would be daunting. Therefore, I have spaced them out into three themes, each about 15, 20 minutes or so. So you can listen to one, take a break if you'd like, skip to the next if you'd like. So here we are going to talk about some of the key themes in nature mysticism under a Christian context. I also want to point out that there is so much more in this topic. I could really get into the incarnation. I could get into atonement more, but I wanted to kind of keep it base level. I didn't want to get too in the weeds. I still wanted to keep it casual and light and fun. So the next three mini episodes, if you like to call them that, we will be discussing first this concept of the cosmic priesthood, which is a really unique Christian concept about how we are called to lift matter back up to God the Father. Then we are going to get into the concept of the incarnation and how through the incarnation, all of nature, in a way, was divinized a bit more. And the third topic we are going to get into is how many mystics speak of a mystical experience through the Holy Spirit that allows us to see nature in new ways, that allows us to see God working through all of creation. So I hope you enjoy these three episodes. It's a bit different from what I usually do. This is a little more discussing theory and concepts, but these concepts they aren't just academic. These concepts really helped me in my spirituality, and it really invigorated me in certain parts of my spiritual practice. So I hope you enjoy, and God bless you. Thank you. Before the creation of the cosmos, a dance had already long begun. The dance begins with God the Father, who playfully spins his logos or his divine inspiration. And in this dance between the two, in that twirling out as a lover spins their beloved in a dance, out comes the Holy Spirit, which is simply the love between the Father and his Logos. However, what good is this distant, love-filled dance with no matter or creation? Where can that spirit flow? And thus, God created the cosmos so this dance could be felt. And in that dance between God and his Logos, the Holy Spirit, his love, breathed life into the world that we now call Earth. Though another opportunity arose for the Creator. In his dance, when his spirit flows out to creation, how can it return to him? Because the mission all along through this dance with the Logos was that all creation would eventually reunite with the Father's love. Surely it cannot be the Trinity nor the angels who send creation back to God in this dance. Because the Trinity and angels, they are purely made of spirit. They cannot physically grasp the limbs of a tree. They cannot taste the coolness of a running stream. And they cannot stand in awe as they watch the moon's reflection on the ocean shore. Therefore, God created man. God created man to tend to this garden of creation. 
Man would serve as God's cosmic priest, taking in all of this matter through their senses, through sight, through taste, through touch, and through sound, and by experiencing it, in a way, man would glorify creation and send it back to God. As creatures that are both the lowest rung of spirit, yet the highest rung of matter, humans were created with the unique ability to spiritualize the spiritless. And in doing so, simply by observing and experiencing nature and creation through our senses, we, in a way, send it back to God. And now, in this new cosmic priesthood, with the creation of humanity, a new dancer is emplaced in this dance. A new dancer is emplaced in the Trinity, and that is you and me. God the Father, through his logos, creates all of creation. And as the Father lovingly twirls his logos, it sends forth the Holy Spirit, which animates mankind. And once filled with the Spirit, mankind glorifies God's creation. We take it in, we express thanks, we infuse it with our own spirit, which then goes back to God. And this dance continues on and on and on. Now, if this concept sounds too esoteric, too out there, too new age, no. It's actually very practical. Think about the most beautiful sunset that you've ever seen in your life. Or think about a night in which the stars were more visible than ever before. Or think about when you're holding a newborn child in your arms and you look down at it wordlessly as you're filled with emotion. And in those moments, silently or verbally, in some way, direct or indirect, you give thanks to God. And that is the dance right there. In those examples, the creator had hand in creation through his divine inspiration, his logos. And in this moment, you were filled with the spirit to be moved. And thus, in your expression of gratitude, of awe, of wonder, you too sent it back to God in praise and admiration solely by observing and experiencing it. And thus, there's this cycle that never ends. Paternal love of the father, filial love, of his creation, spiritual love, being moved by the Holy Spirit, and then returning to the Father through our senses and our praise. Of course, there's a practical side of this too, and even in the mundane and practical, we are still doing this dance. We are called to be good stewards of God's creation. So in just doing our share to lift others up and taking care of the earth, we are still taking part in this dance, in this cosmic priesthood, even without realizing it. As we were made in God's image, we are to reflect the image of God as a people, as a group, all of mankind. And what is that image but an image of love? So we are to take care of one another, take care of nature, and ensure that humanity and all of creation reflects this icon of God's love. But that did not happen. Instead, humanity fell. Humanity gained knowledge we were not yet ready for. The fallen angels, the pure spirit, they were jealous of our participation in this unique dance. And due to the influence of the fallen ones, nature was no longer a garden of God's love, but instead an area to destroy for selfish gain, for greed, and for profit. The body was no longer a temple for God's expression or for love. Instead, it was a vessel to lust after and inflict harm upon. And therefore, we drew further and further away 
from God's dance of love, and we drew further and further away from our roles as redeemers and cosmic priests. It's said that Adam and Eve hid in the garden with their now distorted view of God, their now distorted view of the loving father. They no longer saw him as a loving father. Instead, they saw him as someone to be fearful of rather than someone to love and who was loving. In essence, they turned their faces from God. And that separation is where darkness and pain come in. But God still loved his creation unconditionally, and he loved suffered, hoping for their return. God called the people of Israel to be his new face, his new image, and yet they turned their faces away from him too. And thus, in their turning away, God enacted a love-suffering of sorts, so their hearts will be drawn to return to him and once again be an icon of his love. But this still did not work. So eventually, God sent his logos, God sent his divine inspiration, the inspiration, the prototype behind all of creation to take flesh. The second person in the dance took flesh as Jesus Christ. And Jesus was sent to reveal the face of God, but also the love of God, a God who would love suffer for us on the cross, so we would not have to love suffer like the people of the Old Covenant. And thus, with the Incarnation, God's face can be revealed to the world as well as his love. And we will get into atonement in future episodes. But the main point for this episode is what happens next. Christ dies on the cross. In there, he descends into hell to defeat the death realm. So now upon our death, we can all reunite with the Father as was intended in the dance. But Christ's ascent into hell or his separation from God it was also to defeat our separation from God here on earth, our separation from God in our daily lives. So not only did his death and descent into separation allow the dance to continue after death, but it also assisted in our separation from God on earth too, right now. In a way, we all died when Christ died. And when he descended into hell, which is God's separation, the same separation the people of Israel felt, Christ defeated that separation. He destroyed the spiritual, temporal hell state for us all. And when he resurrected, we all resurrected with him. Creation was now reordered towards the face of God, as well as the face of the Son. This was, in a sense, the second creation. And now enters the Holy Spirit, the love between the Father and Logos, now as Jesus Christ, it flows forth just as it does in the dance, and it flows forth as the Holy Spirit entering us, which allows us to take part in the Father and now the Son's earthly mission once again. As Christ showed humanity the love of the Father on the cross, now we become co-revealers with Christ, revealing the love of the Father, the face of the Father, through our acts and through our love. We are now participants in Christ's mystical body with a very specific mission and purpose, which is to remove the distorted image of God that was felt by Adam and Eve in the garden. And through being filled with the Spirit and now having correct knowledge of the loving God, we too, again, can become cosmic priests. And through our praise and through our love, we once more can send things back to the Creator as it was intended in Eden simply by our care, our senses, and lifting it back up to God lovingly.
Peace be with you and with your spirit. Welcome to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W. So, first we are going to talk about this cosmic priesthood concept and its summary. So the main points that I was hoping to get across in that intro are as follows. We were initially called to be cosmic priests, offering matter back to God through our senses and through our care. We are to spiritualize the spiritless. This is an active part in the dance of the Trinity, God, his inspiration logos, and their love. However, upon the fall, man gained knowledge that we were not ready for, which led us to exploiting creation, which includes exploiting one another. Man, in this fall, also formed a distorted view of God. Part of Christ's incarnation was to reorder our faces back towards the Father, but also institute a pathway for all of us to return to God. In Christ's death, he defeated the physical death realm, so now all souls can reunite with God. However, his descent into hell also had a temporal aspect, which was to remove that separation that we have from God here on earth, to descend into our separation from God. In essence, we also died with Christ, and in his resurrection, it was a second creation. And in that resurrection, he sends forth the Holy Spirit, the love of the Father and Son, which can now fill us and make us part of Christ's mission. Now, Christ's mission is multifold, but for purposes of this episode, it's to co-reveal the love of God through our works and also to suffer on behalf of others like he did. But also, it's to become that cosmic priest again. And through the Holy Spirit within us, we are called to lift matter back up to God once more. Yes, by care and through acts, but also merely through our senses, viewing creation, viewing matter, and offering praise back to God. And the first thing that I want to discuss about the cosmic priesthood is that it's not New Age. It's patristic. This actually has basis in the church fathers. What I just said is kind of a watered-down cosmology of St. Irenaeus, which later became St. Maximus the Confessor's cosmology, which was also picked up by St. Bonaventure. And this isn't anything absurd. Similar themes can be found in the Christology of Cardinal Ratzinger, who became Pope Benedict XVI, as well as Cardinal Hanser von Balthasar. It also shouldn't be too absurd, because when we are baptized, as Catholics at least, in the baptismal rite, we are baptized as priests, prophets, and kings. This belief that we must lift up creation in a way that reveals the love of God and also glorifies it, it's all right there in our baptismal rite. And earlier I said water down because there are other components of this. There's the component of the incarnation, which we will be getting into. There's components of the full Christology, what happens after death. But at the heart of it, you can't deny that part of this cosmology is us lifting matter back up to God merely through observing and cherishing it. And now that you're familiar with this concept of cosmic priesthood, you'll see that it changes everything. Prayers are not just wishes or petitions, but now prayer is a way to order something or set something 
aside for God. And this makes sense because this is a definition of blessing. To bless something is reordering it back towards God. Similarly, praying for something under this context of cosmic priesthood, it's not just wishing them well, but now, in a way, as cosmic priests, we are putting them under the care of God. Simply by looking around us and thanking God for all that we see, we are lifting it back up to him. And of course, our behaviors too factor into this. We sanctify our actions, ensuring that what we are doing and how we are treating one another is glorifying the Father. Now, I've gotten a few questions when I posted on Instagram about this. How do I do it? How do I lift something back up to God? They've heard the phrase before, but not sure how to do it. And there are some complex ways. We're going to get into the liturgy in a moment. And there are some rites and rituals that are found within Catholic ceremonies. But more so as lay people or just as priests, as baptized priests in the baptismal rite, as cosmic priests, it's incredibly simple and it's just what it sounds like. We are simply to look at something and give thanks. Now there's also a contemplative element as well. If you remember our initial episodes on contemplative prayer, when we get into that state, which is a gift of contemplation, we may feel something bubble up. We may feel the Holy Spirit bubble up, and we are drawn to praise God. We are drawn to talk to God. We are drawn to give God thanks. In that moment, that's the same thing, right? We are filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the love of the Father and Son, and now we are willing to lift it back up in praise because we are feeling the love enter us. So it's right there in contemplative prayer as well. But I'm not saying that we must first sit and do our vocal prayer and then our meditation, and then if God gives us the gift of contemplation, then we will feel the Holy Spirit move us to thank God and offer something back up to him. No. That can happen, and usually that does happen in contemplative prayer. But it can be as simple as when you are outside, and I'm looking out my window right now, it's as simple as looking at things and really... It actually is the contemplative journey, but looking at things in a meditative way. And it could be as simple as looking at things and thanking God for it. The trees right now. May the trees bless the Lord. May the clouds in the sky bless the Lord. May the birds in the air bless the Lord. May the flowers bless the Lord. May the people walking down the street bless the Lord. May the squirrels in the trees bless the Lord. It's simply taking it in through our senses and thanking God. It is that simple. And most of all, this just changes our entire perception of the visual world. And as we'll get to in this series of many episodes, we'll get into this understanding of, yes, seeing how God works through all things. And what better way to do that than to see creation as a gift, as something to lift up, just through our senses. And I'm, I'm using visual a lot, but it can be taste, it can be touch, it can be smell. Offer it back up to God. And of course, this also should change our view on nature as well. Now, in this role, in this sense as cosmic priests, nature is not just something that we dominate or even just blindly experience, but rather it's something to take care of and even praise and adore. And yes, this is all of nature, 
as well as all of matter. So everything we come in contact with, we can offer it back up to God. And this theme of offering up our senses, there's a lot we're going to get into in future episodes, even things like our happiness, even things like our suffering. I'm going to do an episode on the mysticism of suffering. It's really deep, but we're sticking with our senses in nature for this little series. So this just doesn't stop at cosmic priesthood. There's an even larger framework here at play, and that's this understanding or belief that nature will, or already does, become a cosmic participant in the worship of God. You can see this most readily in a few places. One, the book of Revelation, which says that every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them shall sing God's praises, and of course, that's at the end of time. But you also have that now, which you see in the Canticle of Daniel. The Canticle of Daniel is read in the church's Liturgy of the Hours every week, and it's very beautiful. And it goes right back to the cosmic priesthood where you are just walking in nature and asking all of these things to bless the Lord. I'm going to read a few lines so you get the point. I'm not going to read all of it, don't worry. But every shower and dew, bless the Lord. All you winds, bless the Lord. Fire and heat, bless the Lord. Frost and chill, bless the Lord. Nights and days, bless the Lord. Lightning and clouds, bless the Lord. Mountains and hills, bless the Lord. Everything growing from the earth, bless the Lord. You springs, bless the Lord. Seas and rivers, bless the Lord. You dolphins and all creatures, bless the Lord. All you birds of the air, bless the Lord. All you beasts, wild and tame, bless the Lord. You sons of men, bless the Lord. And why do we want all of nature to bless the Lord? Well, quoting Pope Benedict, Cardinal Ratzinger, also St. Paul, they would say that our goal in life, in our cosmic priesthood, and as members of the mystical body of Christ, our goal is to make the world a living form of worship. And this means at the end of time, all of nature, all of creation, the entire cosmos, will be directed back towards God through our senses, acts, and care. So here, we are taking part in that dance, right? The dance of the Trinity. We are assisting in the worship of all of nature by taking it in, blessing it, and flinging it back to the Father, as we discussed in the beginning of this episode. And this also somewhat goes into Pope Benedict, St. Bonaventure's view on what's called the theology of history, which to summarize that whole (laughs) sphere in a few words. It's the belief that the Holy Spirit is still working through all of creation today, forming it and aiding it. Therefore, things like medical breakthroughs and such, that's part of the Holy Spirit's plans. Though Benedict and Bonaventure and many others, they see a mystical element to this too, that creation will only become more divinized through our collective worship and praise until even the moon and stars cry out to God. So this goes right back to the cosmic priesthood, right? So by us giving thanks and glorifying creation, at the end of time, it means all of creation will call out and praise. And lastly, before we wrap up the cosmic priesthood mini episode, you also have this in the liturgy. So in Cardinal Ratzinger slash Pope Benedict's really beautiful work called The Spirit of the Liturgy, Benedict discusses how when the priest raises the host and faces the east, what he's doing is he is raising the host to connect with the sun. 
and when he is doing this, and he gets into some really metaphysical stuff here, if you're not familiar with Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict's work, check it out. But essentially he is saying that in that moment, since the host is God itself, there is a combination of cosmic time from the host and earthly time from the sun. And raising the host alongside the sun means that in a way, though cosmic and the natural time are forming, so thus even the sun assists us in worshiping God in that moment. All right, so a very simple in theory concept, lifting things back up to God through our senses, also pulling out the spirit and all of nature and the belief that at the end of time, if we truly are to divinize all of creation through our care, not just through our senses, I want to make that very clear, through our care, but also through our senses and praise, the end of time, all of creation will call back to God in praise. And even now, may all the trees bless the Lord. May all the birds of sky bless the Lord. All right. We'll wrap up this mini episode right now. So if you want to take a break, re-listen, feel free. Or you can keep listening for the next mini episode, which will cover the next concept. Thanks for hanging out with me. God bless. (laughs) 